0: Welcome back to Jesuit Balcony Conversations.
1: You know, Billy, I'm feeling a little hungry. Why? It's that time of year. Pat, what's got you so hungry? Billy, I saw a dead turkey on the side of the John Lodge Freeway. Where? It was while I was in the caboose of the queue line. What? Pat, why would our listeners care about this? Look, Billy, Thanksgiving is coming up. Billy, what's your favorite part about your plate on thanksgiving day
0: you know patrick i really appreciate that you asked me that question my favorite part of my plate at thanksgiving is uh my aunt jan we usually go to her house for thanksgiving and she just makes the best stuffing and she has a couple different types of stuffing and it's just delicious and she always makes some homemade cranberry and just have a little bit of that cranberry with the stuffing is really my favorite thing It's my favorite part of my plate and so what about you what's your favorite part
1: Yeah, for me, my mom makes a butternut squash soup before the turkey, and it's the best part of the meal for myself. I love the cranberry, the mashed potatoes, stuffing, but the butternut squash soup, that just reminds me so much of just my family and just that special time of year.
0: Yeah, that's really special, and I think, you know, a big part of being thankful, being together with your family, it does really kind of center around the food, so that's really great to hear. And, but just moving forward into the conversation, you know, this episode will be a little bit different than most of our episodes.
1: Yeah, we're going to be doing um, something special today, aren't we, Billy?
0: We sure are. We're going to be doing, you know, a spotlight episode, if you will. Today we're going to be doing a recap of IFTJ, which we went on this past weekend.
1: Billy, what is IFTJ?
0: Glad you asked, Patrick. The Ignatian family teach-in for justice, IFTJ like the cool kids say, is a yearly conference for members of the Jesuit family to be, quote, empowered, re-energized, inspired, challenged, and supported by a community that sees faith and justice integrally linked. So out of those verbs, Patrick, which one really resonated with you at the conference?
1: Yeah, I think all of them to a degree. Um, What was really just noticeable for myself was seeing... How just youth from high school, college, and, you know, a little bit beyond like in our stages right now, just seeing how many people in our generation and the generation younger than us are doing to combat these big issues that IFTJ was talking about. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess you didn't really pick a, a verb. So no. Can I, you pick one? Uh, well, for me,
1: I would say inspired. inspired. You know, I
0: was really inspired by so many things at IFTJ, and we're going to get into that but uh, yeah, Can I would say one?
1: re-energized. Uh, I mean, again, like I think all of them really hit home for me, but I just felt when I came back like a sense of like, OK, this is why I'm doing kind of JVC. And this is why, you know, I'm a part of this Ignatian family. So yeah. that energy was lifted. Um, but again, all of them hit home.
0: Yeah. So IFTJ is run by the Ignatian Solidarity Network. And this teach-in really started in response to the Jesuits and their companions who were martyred in El Salvador in 1989. And, you know, just learning more about the Jesuit martyrs and their companions and those who continue to be martyred since 1989, you know, and really welcoming into that space that we were at for this teach-in was really a big part of what we did. And, you know, there was a powerful prayer for the martyrs at IFTJ, which was very moving and kind of helped to center us in why we were there. And what we were there for, you know, one of the speakers at one point, he said, the blood of the martyrs will be the seed of the church. And that's something that uh, at first I was like, hmm. But it really kind of, you know, it's kind of this deep sense that, you know, the martyrs that died were really worth learning. And all of this really has to do in their memory in some way. And so, yeah, I was there on behalf of Detroit Mercy, which is a Jesuit and a Mercy University, so that's why we were able to go, because of our Jesuit identity, and we were able to contribute to that conversation, and I was with one of my coworkers, Aaron McDonald, and we brought six students on behalf of the university, and you know, since, you know, I guess we had a couple extra seats in the van, I decided to drag this guy, Patrick, along, and uh, Will came along too, Will Beatriz, one of our housemates, and so It was just amazing to be there with 2,000-plus young people, high school and college students who care about a faith that does justice, really. And this year's theme for the conference for IFTJ was Radical Hope, Prophetic Action. And Patrick, is there anything that strikes you with that theme?
1: Yeah, first off, I want to sincerely, Billy, just thank you so much Mm. for inviting me and Will. To attend this conference I hadn't never been before so it was just like that when you made me pick a verb you know re-energize is what I felt and it was just such a blessing to be a part of this conference that united people in all different stages of life who are centered around um, these issues climate change environmental justice and immigration um, reform DACA um, these big hot button, um, huge issues of our time, um, having us young people um, be at the forefront of that movement and of this change. Yeah, uh, it was just in in the framework of IFTJ and in the framework of the theme, radical hope, prophetic action. That is what we need in this church, mm-hmm. and I think uh, just being with these young people at IFTJ, um, I saw that I saw people having these radical hopes of a sustainable and, you know, embracing renewable energy. I saw people who are standing in solidarity with millions of DACA recipients. Um, and the action, what we did at Capitol Hill, highlights, you know, just that prophetic action. And I think that's what our faith teaches us. And it's just a blessing to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I, that really strikes me when I hear radical hope prophetic action, actually, I want to share two things is I really like when I really don't like when people use radical in the wrong way. And I hear it a lot, you know, radical means like to the root of, to kind of get to the core of something. Mm -hmm. And I really like using it in front of the word hope, right? Right. Radical hope. What does it really mean to hope to kind of get at the core of hoping? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah that was really profound for me because I think people throw around the word radical sometimes they think oh radical like that's crazy that's bad mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. but I mean radical really in a deep sense it's like what is the root of that mm-hmm. and how do we get there and I love when it's used right and uh, secondly I think with prophetic action I think that really calls us to you know we had this nice conference where we were in the ho- we were in this hotel for the weekend and we were hearing experts speak and we were talking to each other mm-hmm but then it's how do we take that, how do we take what we've learned and bring it back to other places? Mm-hmm. And that's a big theme about IFTJ. How do we take what we've learned and you know, take it elsewhere, take it back to our universities, our communities, wherever, whatever you're working in, and for the students, you know, whatever they're learning in school, whatever they might do in their community, how do they take what they learned about immigration or environmental justice and bring it back? And I think you know that's partly what we're doing here with this podcast in a little bit we're gonna bring on just some short commentaries that uh, some of the students reflected on and some of their reflections and just we're gonna have them kind of speak on the podcast and it was just really great for uh, them to just kinda bring it home and just to keep thinking about those things like in their day-to-day life so yeah that's what I think of when I think of that and so first Patrick I want us to kinda talk about you know what are our biggest takeaways from IFTJ Mm -hmm. And so if I can ask you to share a little bit, you know, what was a highlight of the conference or what was kind of your biggest takeaway from the many incredible things we were able to do?
1: Yeah, there was lots to take away from IFTJ, Uh, the speakers, meeting with students, UDM students especially. But one of the speakers who presented, her name is Chloe Becker. She's a high school student at Magnificat High School in Cleveland. And she reflected upon a project she recently finished for her parish at St. Albert's called the Agape Mural. The mural depicts three saints, St. Augustine, St. Monica, and St. Benedict the African, and two leaders in the Catholic Church, Sister Tia Bowman and Father Augustus Tolton. She chose to represent the Catholic figures with people in her parish. Uh, And there are many things that blew me away just about her mural, the artistic ability you know of capturing the people in her parish the symbolism of them in ordinary clothes and the imagery of stars above were all just incredibly profound and something that i've seen in museums or just you know uh, just in galleries but what was particularly significant about her mural was just hearing her talk about representation of african americans in the catholic church So Father Augustus Tolton was the first African-American priest, and Sister Tia Bowman was the first black sister in her white congregation in Mississippi. So hearing her talk about racial justice and what this mural uh, for her meant in combating this systematic issue in our country uh, was profound to hear from a 17 year old. And I think about myself and at that time, and I was like, I was just trying to get ready for the football practice. And like, I was like, what? So just, she's incredible. I will. And one of the things she talked about too, and she is that, like she acknowledged that, yes, you know what? I am white. And however, that does not mean that I can't fight this fight. And that doesn't mean that I can't stop this systematic oppression and discrimination that our country has been experiencing. And her faith is allowing her to create these beautiful murals and to bridge a lot of this divisiveness and to create um, something that uh, for her is incredibly needed and transformative of, uh, of racial justice.
0: Yeah, I thought what she had to say was really profound, just like what you're saying. And I remember at one point she said something like, we need to bring up the fact. We need to talk about why aren't there more Black saints? Why aren't people of color represented more in the church's history? And that kind of goes back to what you said. Like, uh, it's just people are really uncomfortable bringing up this uh, oppression that, that's seen with like and racial justice, and like a lot of times white people are just uncomfortable bringing that up. And what I found really striking about her is she wasn't uncomfortable about bringing it up. And she just like, like you said, she said in the beginning, you know, I'm white, but I'm going to address this and I want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Turning the question to you, Billy, what's a big takeaway you got from this past weekend?
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Patrick. So at IFTJ, there were three keynote speakers. And the first night, uh, Sister Peggy O'Neill spoke. She was the first keynote speaker. And just wow, this woman is simply amazing. Uh, She's an 80-year-old nun who has worked and lived among the people in El Salvador for the past 30 years, and she is just so youthful. She had this youthful energy about her that I was just amazed by. I thought it was really inspiring to see someone of that age to be up there, and she was just kind of moving around on stage. I mean, she was just really, she really kind of captivated my attention as a speaker, you know? And so she has so many life experiences to share, uh, but really, it seems like she is one of those people who just kind of gets it, like she's doing something right. Like, it's one of those people you want to be around more, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, during her speech, she talked about, like, she said, if I'm in the elevator with you, give me a hug. And that kind of made this thing. People went up and gave her a hug afterwards, and mm-hmm. it's like everyone was asking each other, oh, did you give Sister Peggy a hug yet? It was like, it's mm-hmm. kind of like your rite of passage at IFTJ, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things she talked about that really striked me is that we need an environmental revolution and a Trinitarian revolution. Those were her two main points. Mm-hmm. And she said we need to change our inner vibrations with the Trinitarian revolution in order to change the outer vibrations of our world with the environmental revolution. Mm-hmm. And so what what's really striking with me, what I want to speak at just for a minute, is about this Trinitarian revolution. When she first said this, I was like, okay, sure. Like, In my own faith, I've never really connected with the Trinity in a meaningful way. I don't know. If you have, or... Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, I I think it was pretty, like, profound the way she was saying that, like, she says, like, the Trinity is just so small and that our, I think the church's depiction of God is so small and narrow. And when she talks about that rejuvenation of the Trinity, expanding that idea and expanding our minds of what God is, and I've really found that... To be more relatable when she was talking about that than I have probably just with doing the Trinity and learning about that when I was younger.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what like I've resonated with like, like I've like I've said Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and just like how confining that can be. That's mm-hmm. kind of like something you're speaking to, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we we if you really press somebody on the issue, they know God is not a father. They know God's not like a son, mm-hmm. but it's just when we say it, it kind of gets ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. And so for her, it's kind of like liberated my view of what the Trinity is and kind of expanded it. And she talked about this mystery of the Trinity. And, you know, she talked about that the names, like we were just kind of talking about, the names of the Trinity are not as important as the Trinity itself. Mm -hmm. And so when we assign God to specific things, like Father, like Son, like Holy Spirit, like you were talking about, Patrick, we can make God too small. Mm Mm-hmm. Just this inner relationship that she was talking about, and she was talking about how the Trinity can teach us how to be in relation to each other. That is what really stuck with me. You know, it kind of stays with me, and I'm going to kind of pray with that. I'm going to kind of pray on how the Trinity can be a part of my life, and just thinking about how we're all so interconnected, that idea that when one suffers, we all suffer. And I think that sometimes that can be missing in our Catholic and our Christian faith. You know, sometimes we don't really get that. And I wonder if somehow through what Sister Peggy's talking about with the Mm -hmm. Trinity that we can kind of get back onto that really to understand how connected we all are. And it's through that Trinity, through that relationship.
1: Mm -hmm. It just meant a lot, you know, having her come for all those reasons and just like, you know, she spent so much time in El Salvador and just her coming all the way to Washington, D.C., Uh, I mean, she she said off uh, over and over again, like, I'm just feeding off your energy. Like Mm. I, that's, this is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think for myself, when I think about the inner vibrations of like what the Trinity is for me, it's kind of like what this conference was about being engaged with young people, you know, people in our kind of state of life. Um, and just kind of talking about, you know, what, um, You know what is calling us and what is kind of moving um, moving us so yeah yeah.
0: this is going to be that point in the podcast that I referred to earlier where we're going to have a dialogue with a few people that were at IFTJ with us and so First, we're going to start by hearing from a few students who were at IFTJ with us that came from Detroit Mercy.
2: Hello, my name is Kenny Donaldson, and I am a junior at the University of Detroit Mercy. I attended IFTJ uh, over the weekend, which stands for Ignatian Family Teaching Teach In for Justice. And one of my biggest takeaways was talking about immigration. I have kind of a background a little bit with immigration via like different service trips I've gone on, and then. Being a political science major here on campus, it's a hot topic, it's a hot discussion all the time, a lot of arguing that usually happens with it, and just reinforcing my knowledge about it, reinforcing and seeing the different effects that our immigration policies have, remembering how broken the system is, and things that can be effective to change it and help it, can like, help fix the issues that arise, like having a clean DACA, uh, the family separations, how heinous that's been and how wrong that is, it, that is and also the knowledge of acting how we're supposed to act being the responsible player in international politics so that's one of the biggest takeaways, just remembering to do the right thing.
0: Thank you Kenny. Can you speak to something that you learned at IFTJ that changed maybe your view on immigration? Or that challenged or reinforced just any like specific?
2: The one thing that I found particularly interesting was like defunding Customs and Border Patrol, which has always been, which has been brought up, and just seeing the effect of Customs and Border Patrol, because I, I would personally see rather see um, funds be used in a more constructive way. Mm-hmm. That of course there are people that are choosing to do wrong and that are willing to do wrong against regular people that like run drugs and things like that, but from what I've understood, like the issue isn't just funneling money into the organization for the organization to do whatever it wants. It's more forcing and really pushing for adequate use of these funds and more constructive use of these funds in order to not just keep people out that are actually running away from situations in other countries and things like that, but to keep people that are wishing to do harm and wishing to run drugs into the United States from, to focus on them and focus on what they're trying to do and, effectively use funds in a way to prevent that from happening, not from preventing innocent people from entering the country.
1: One thing that jumps to mind hearing Kenny's uh, remark and testimony of IFTJ, was just when he was saying that, you know, this whole conference taught him how the United States should be acting how we're supposed to. You know, we are the biggest responsible player in international politics. I think to a degree he has a lot of validity. The United States has a lot of power. In the international sphere, and international world. However, when we're talking about addressing issues like environmental justice, and um, you know, talking about implementing a clean DACA, we need to recognize that we are a small part, and that we need to listen and acknowledge the million, the hundreds of countries, and the millions of people who are being affected by our decisions and. It is they that have most of the answers and that can provide so much of the perspective that is lacking in our legislative, executive, and judicial branches. Um, I think representation is a huge part of this problem. And I just think um, with IFTJ, it was great hearing from people who are DACA recipients. It was great from, um, you know, highlighting... Uh, what happened in el salvador in the late 1980s Um, so i think we need to be mindful of that and moving forward when we come to environmental justice and um, immigration policy
0: yeah something that's really resonating with me that you spoke about is just kind of understanding that you know the united states yes we are powerful we do have really a big role in the international political scene But also understanding that these countries need to kind of be responsible and uh, just we need to help them help themselves in a way and not in a way that's like we're going to go and help them the way we think they need to be helped but we need to learn from them this is what solidarity is we need to learn mm-hmm. from them we need to learn with them and then we can help them mm-hmm. you know it's that way of like walking with and accompanying people and like that's how we need to kind of play a role with some of these countries and i think that this is a big way you know there's so many misconceptions about immigration and about immigration policy mm-hmm. and i really think you know people are like people don't understand why others are leaving their own countries Mm -hmm. you know I agree it was great to hear from some DACA recipients and I heard a couple stories and just some awful conditions that they they flee their own countries from to come to America to seek asylum Mm -hmm. and you know they were met with just they weren't met with open arms at all they were met with these you know they were in detention they were stuck and people are just thinking you know some of the rhetoric is that you know there's criminals there's bad people that are coming and you know We do want to make sure that this country is safe for all people, but, I mean, if there's someone that's fleeing their own country because they're in danger, we need to be a place that provides asylum for them. And, uh, yeah, that's something that really kind of sticks with me. And I just want to point out one other thing that Kenny said, and he's talking about defunding Customs and Border Patrol, and I think this is really important to realize that the executive branch, you know, is in charge of the immigration courts. And so when we're talking and we're advocating on behalf of things, we need to realize that Congress has an impact, but when it comes to funding. So if we want to impact some of the things happening around migration, we need to advocate for some of those funding and some of those things. And, uh, yeah, I think it's important that Kenny brought that up. And just that he realizes that. And just for anybody, it's like, you know, it's important to... It's one thing to say, yes, we want everyone to be treated with dignity, but it's another thing to kind of follow politics. And, you know, it kind of goes along that line that when people say ignoring politics is a privilege, and I think that's really true. And people that are, people that are suffering are really those that have to follow politics and have to follow these, you know, these policies closely. And, you know, people who aren't suffering, they have the choice whether not, whether to or not to. So I think it's really important to be engaged like that. And I think this conversation around politics, around Advocacy Day kind of goes into what we're going to talk about next. So, Patrick, uh, on Monday, you know, we had Advocacy Day, so we were on Capitol Hill. But Sunday night, can you tell us about what did we do on Sunday night? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Sunday night we did training for a meeting with our Michigan State Senator, Gary Peters, for Monday. That was when we all gathered together, all 2,000 plus of us. Gathered at uh, Columbus Station in D.C., then went over to the Senate buildings to meet with our state representatives. And so Sunday night we did training for how to talk with Senator Peters. Um, you know what's keeping what roles do people play in the group? And it was just really powerful to see young people come together. Uh, really, one be more. Uh, comfortable with talking about these issues, even if they weren't really the ones to like have all of the knowledge, that doesn't really mean that they don't have the same emotion and same passion for what these issues impact them at a personal level because they do. And I think what these training sessions provided was a level of comfort for them to go out and to meet with their representative, meet with their officials, and Know, express their voice in a voice that could be communicated in a structured form that allowed them to feel that their voice was heard.
0: Yeah, and that really leads us right into another student that was able to give us some reflections from his experience at IFTJ, but really specifically on how he felt at Advocacy Day.
3: I'm uh, Roman Nebrosio. I'm a senior at Detroit Mercy. The biggest takeaway I got from IFTJ was the impact I can make in advocacy, especially in my own government. I really liked being able to meet with the senator's office and to express my concerns as, as a citizen and to know that I'm being listened to. I think that was something that I didn't think could be possible until I did it um, myself and with other students, and I could see it firsthand, the impact that we all can make in our democracy.
0: It was really great to catch up and follow up with Kenny and Roman, just two of the six students that came to IFTJ. And a big part of what we do there, especially with the students, is, you know, learning, but then also bringing it back to campus. So it was really great to hear them and to hear their shared re- to hear their reflections that they shared with me. So Patrick, who's the next guest going to be?
1: In addition to myself, I was joined by Will Beatrice, a friend of the pod. So much of what I felt at IFTJ was the sense of interconnectedness with people In all stages of life, from like high school students, college students, um, what ages Billy, myself, Will are at, and then beyond, there's a sense of unity that I felt at IFTJ and being in the Signation tradition that was so moving to myself.
4: Hi, I'm Will Beatriz, and I'm a JV serving in Detroit, and I was at IFTJ last weekend. My biggest takeaway from the weekend was probably just being part of the Ignatian family all coming together and especially seeing a lot of my friends from my alma mater, Fordham University, um, coming out. There, there was a huge delegation and it was uh, a lot of people I didn't even expect to see, especially seeing all the Jesuit scholastics, so the Jesuits in formation studying at Fordham. Um, during my time in Fordham, they just had a, a big impact on me and even though I didn't know a lot of them that well, um, like they all remembered my name. They all were asking about JVC and it was just, um, it was just really nice to see them. And I, I didn't even realize it until seeing them last weekend, but, I, you know, they were a really big part of me deciding to join JVC. And so it was really cool to see these people who ha- had such an impact just by, you know, kind of being, being welcoming, loving people.
0: You know, we'll just closed with this welcoming, loving people. And that really sticks with me. I really felt that with with the people that were there, with the people I traveled with, Pat, with you, with my students, with Will, with Aaron. I mean, and with everybody we ran into, even people I didn't know, they're just welcoming that we're there. And that's something that I felt with the IFTJ, and that's something that I really felt with JVC. You know, being in orientation, it's just, I think there's something about it when you have this group of people with these shared values, and, you know, we're all there to kind of promote these similar things. With the JVC, we have these four values. With IFTJ, we were there for a couple of these, a couple key issues, immigration and uh, environmental issues. And it's just we're all there. We all agree that change needs to happen. And you said earlier about, you know, Sister Peggy was feeding off our energy. And it's just, you know, these people are welcoming, they're loving. We all have this energy to give to each other. And it was just like, you know, what the verb that you picked earlier,
1: re-energize?
0: Yes, it's just that sense of being re-energized all together with people that love each other, with people that welcome each other and people that care about God and about a faith that does justice. I know that I say that a lot and I've said it more than once on this episode even, but it's just we care we're there for each other and it's just being there, you know it's it's that it's that saying that it's like it's not the best person for the job, it's the person that's there. It's the person that shows up, and it's a person that cares. And it's that sense that I think Will was speaking to a little bit, and it's that's, that's what I really felt, being
1: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Billy, I mentioned that there were several organizations that attended IFTJ, and our next testimony comes from someone who works closely with our work. Yes,
0: indeed it does. This next testimony comes from Shivani, who we've met because she works for the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. She's the admissions manager. And so it was just great to see the presence of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps at the Ignatian Family Teach-In and to see Shivani and to be able to have some conversations with her.
5: My name is Shivani Trujillo, and I'm the Admissions Manager for the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. I attended my first Ignatian Family Teach-In for Justice in Washington, D.C. a few days ago and was so inspired by the commitment of the young people that I met and had the opportunity to interact with as they learned more about the work we do at JVC and what it means to commit to a year or two of service and formation with us. I was able to hear the stories of what is drawing students as young as 15 or 16 to service work in their own communities, the areas of work they're passionate about pursuing and their long-term goals to incorporate justice issues into the careers that they hope to pursue. I was especially happy to hear about the passion that so many had for environmental justice issues. I spoke to so many who are starting small in their own schools and neighborhoods and are hoping to see the ripple effects of their work grow. My biggest takeaway from IFTJ was not from a specific speaker or from a session. Rather, it was being able to see and feel the power of young people, willing to put their faith into action to bring hope and justice to our world.
0: This week, to close our podcast, just like we do every week, we're going to end with our segment called Four Values in Four Minutes. This is a segment where we talk about the four different values of the JVC and how they've kind of impacted and touched our own lives, Patrick. And we're going to do that in the next four minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and start the timer, and I'll let you open up.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks, Billy. It's always been a loose four, I think, for our listeners. But Tick. Anywho. Talk. For me, spirituality has been a value that's really resonated with me. I've been reading this book called Breaking Anxiety's Grip, How to Reclaim the Peace God Promises by Dr. Michelle Benston. Reading this book has just really opened my faith and connected it to another part of myself and part of my identity that I previously had kind of disconnected with and didn't really find a union between kind of you know maintaining self-care mental health um, with faith and how do we find God in that Um, so she does throughout her book I've just begun begun reading it so a little early on but um, she has reflections and she also poses like this is your Rx for the week and so Hmm. she'll be like I want you to kind of read these two bible verses put them in your phone they're actually now my screensavers oh really um yeah but i've these are the two quotes right uh passages uh one is for god hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind Two timothy 1 7 and then this is just a phrase from francis john Uh, Worry implies that we don't quite trust that God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. So for myself, just being such like just an overthinker and just having a lot of struggles uh, just, you know, with anxiety and with Mm -hmm. those sorts of faculties, it's reading this book that has helped me to find the God of peace in my life. And it's something that, you know, for so many, for millions of people, um, you know, that struggle with, you know, such disorders and such um, levels of, you know, stress, worry, finding God through what Michelle's writing has just really enriched my faith, enriched my spirituality.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Patrick. Not only with me, but with our listeners. And uh, I'm really glad to hear that you found this book that has kind of been able to bring that you you said that kind of used to kind of separate. You know how you felt, and then your relationship with God. But you know that this book is helping you to see the union between it. And I think that's really powerful. And uh, yeah, just I just want to thank you for sharing that. So this week, with my uh, with the time remaining, I just want to talk about. You know, one value that's kind of hitting me a little bit is community in a few different ways. And so I just want to kind of reflect on ways that I'm finding community this year in different ways and in different places. And, you know, a big place I'm finding community that I didn't really realize when I kind of signed up for the gig, when I signed up for JVC, is like in my workplace. And especially because like what I, my job at working in university ministry has involved a lot of trips And it's going to continue to involve that throughout the year. So uh, a part of kind of my struggle, a part of what I'm doing is balancing like these trips and balancing the time I'm at home. But what I've really loved is fostering this community with spending a lot of time with my coworkers you know, and spending a lot of time with my students, you know, it was a nine hour drive to IFTJ, a little longer with those stops, right, Patrick? You a remember? little longer
1: if you're in the middle seat. Yeah, but.
0: <laughs> I mean, so it was a nine hour drive there, nine hour drive home. And it's like, I spent that time intentionally with my students and with, you know, Aaron, who was there. And, you know, I just really love that time. And I love that community that we're building, but also recognizing that that's time that I'm wa- away from home and from my home community. And thinking, too, I just got back this weekend. We had a short 24-hour men's retreat. And that was a great time. I got to know some of the guys here that are in the ministry office hanging out a little bit better, a little bit more deeply than I usually know them from the normal office chatter. And it was really nice. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of my year, I think, is going to be kind of thinking and reflecting on this idea of community and where I'm finding community and just making sure that, you know, I want to be present to everyone all the time. And it's hard for me to realize sometimes that I can't be. And so it's that balance that I'm really working on already. You know, we're three months in that I'm really four months, whatever. I don't know, Whatever. I'm really <laughs> working on that. And so I'm, I just I'm recognizing and naming now that that's going to be something that I'm going to be working on for the year. And so community is really striking with me this week. So in closing today, we're going to bring it back to IFTJ. And uh, we're going to play a recorded clip that was taken at IFTJ, and it was taken at the Public Witness. And this Public Witness, Patrick, you mentioned it briefly. We didn't get a chance to dive into that, but it was an amazing experience. We were at in front of Union Station on Capitol Hill on Monday morning before we went out to advocate with our senators and everything. And so it was just it was just this beautiful time. And uh, at the end of this, At the end of this public witness, Detroit Mercy, we had the opportunity to get up, to stand up in front of this, you know, 2,000 plus group of students that are high schoolers, college students. Like we're talking about this Jesuit family and uh, Detroit Mercy, we got to stand up in front of everyone. We got to do the closing prayer. and It was a beautiful moment for the students to be involved and for them to kind of, you know, see and to hear their voices, you know, be a part of this public witness. Mm
1: -hmm. I want to give just a personal shout out to Billy for you know, being instrumental in that process and, you know, just participating and it was just really, it was very cool just to hear, hear you speak. And just as well being at, you know, we were at Columbus statue in front of union station Mm. and just talking about DACA and talking about environmental justice at that place. And the location was (laughs) so, you know, um, intentional, Mm -hmm. you know, and just about what all of these things we've been talking about, and so I'm glad a, that you were capping this incredible weekend um, with this prayer and really unifying us as we went on to Capitol Hill.
0: Yeah, so as we close in this beautiful prayer, you'll hear uh, me as well as a number of students speak. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to my coworker, Sister Erin McDonald. And, you know, the two of us led it, and she's incredible in all that she does, and especially for the university, and um, so... As we close in this prayer, she's going to be the first one that speaks, and you'll hear all of us speak.
1: Night will be no more, nor will they need light from lamp or sun. For the Lord God shall give them light, and they shall reign forever and ever.
0: As we pray for immigrants suffering unjustly at the border and around our country, let's call to mind that racism is not merely one sin among many, it is a radical evil. So let us echo the prophetic rhetoric that no human is illegal. God of mercy and consultation, you call us to walk with our migrant sisters and brothers as they journey from the lands drenched with poverty and the blood of war to lands teeming with freedom, new opportunities, and renewed
1: trust.
5: Move us to respond to the gospel call of receiving integration in the best possible way. The growing numbers of migrants and refugees arriving fuel in on our shores and across our borders, fueling the hearts of world leaders a desire to implement policies that allow for
0: safe migration, just migrant working conditions, and an end to detention of asylum seekers while protecting national safety.
3: Let us also call to mind our urgent call to care for our common home. As we breathe the very air which sustains us, we remember your love, God, which gives us life. Fill us with your compassion for creation. Empty us of apathy, selfishness, and fear, of all pessimism and hesitation.
5: Breathe into us solidarity with all who suffer now, and the future generations who will suffer because of our environmental irresponsibility Move us into action to save our earth and to build your sustainable kingdom.
2: Lord, we pray that through our public witness today, we may bring about awareness and inspire action, and as we go back to our own communities, we pray that we seek avenues to bring newfound inspiration and information back to our communities, campus, family, and friends. Lord, we pray for a day when there will be no more night, a day when we all live and love together in the light. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening and tuning in to Jesuit Balcony Conversations.
1: We want to be 100 with you in that our opinions belong to us and not affiliated with the views of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps.
0: Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. Give us a like on our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram so you can stay tuned with all that we're doing and for our next episode.
1: If you've made it this far and follow us on social media, we'd love to hear from you.
0: You know, leave us a comment.
1: Leave us a voice memo. Even
0: better, post a photo of your favorite dog. Send us a roast. Roast turkey.
1: Send us Thanksgiving dinner. Please. Happy Happy Thanksgiving! Thanksgiving.
3: Blessings! (laughs)